Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck down here once again at the beautiful Neck of the Woods Brewing Company located right here in Pittman, New Jersey. Dr. Frey, I got a full beer. We got a lot to talk about tonight. Just poor guys a mess, right? <laughs> this is, again, this is, as a Philadelphia fan, the episode I, I never wanted to have, but we got a lot to cover on Joel Embiid. I, I think that maybe we blew it by not talking about his thumb injury when it happened. So he had to go and up the right. game, right? Like right. He, had, he, had get, he had to get additional injuries this way we couldn't avoid it. Right. So what could have ended up being two separate episodes, we, we got to combine the one. We had to pull a lot of resources in. And right. the first gentleman you brought with us, one of my favorite guests, who'd you bring with you? Welcome back, Dr. John Jennings. Thanks for having me, guys. You got Appreciate it. We were talking, right? It's the, Are you seeing these injuries and then know Steve's going to call you? That's right. I, I, was, I was saying I have to move my office hours. As soon as I see a major hand sports injury, I just have to do Actually, I love being on here. And so it's, it's a pleasure talking to you guys as always. Awesome. Let's just start it off, right? So in, in game three versus Toronto Raptors, you know, he, he injures the thumb. We see it at one point where he, you know, he grabs his hand immediately. I guess we, we can speculate on what the exact mechanism is, but the reports come out the day later. Doc Rivers is saying that he's He's not real too optimistic, but it, it kind of, I think he said it is what it is at this point. Uh, Joel Embiid comes out right away and says he's going to play through it, which he does. He plays game four and game five and six, but the MRI reveals a torn ligament. Right. And I guess that's where we need you to step in. And I'm guessing there's just more than one ligament. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and to be clear, right now we're talking about the thumb injury, yeah. the hand injury, mm -hmm. not not the the other injury, which we're going to get onto a little later on yeah. in the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the MRI showed which a very very common injury, mm -hmm. which is the thumb ulnar collateral ligament. We say the thumb ulnar collateral ligament, mm -hmm. but we actually specifically mean at one of the joints in your hand. So if you like, if you put your hand flat on the table, and between your thumb and your pointer finger, there's like a V there. Yeah. That joint right at the bottom of the V, in fact, right there on that side of the joint is where that ligament lives. And it's really, really important for, for pinch, for grasp. Mm. It stabilizes your thumbs. So when you push out against it, it just doesn't drift off away from your hand. And so, uh, so you know, we, we can make the diagnosis on exam and put off an MRI is really helpful, especially right right away um and especially a guy, a guy like this where yeah. it's a, a big deal so i didn't see the actual injury itself but he he didn't even really know he was like i, I maybe like it you know when they were slapping for the ball right. as i hit the table and spill everyone's beers but <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but yeah it, it, he kind of was like uh you know we we all saw it when it happened but how it exactly happened i think there was some speculation that it may have happened prior to that and he was sort of playing through it Mm. Um, which, which I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I did hear some speculation about that. Did you read specifically that it was the ulnar collateral ligament, or yeah, yeah, okay. So I may I just missed that. Yeah, it? it's conclusively okay. yeah. that yeah. ligament, and um, yeah, I don't know. It, like slapping at a ball doesn't. These are forceful injuries. Okay. Um, Is there a specific name for this injury? Yeah, there's names for all of this. You know, like we used to say gamekeeper's thumb, Game which is a brutal yeah. thing to even think about. Right. We're not talking about the goalie in a soccer game, but right. actually the guy who breaks the chicken's neck. Exactly. Um, the olden days, gamekeeper's thumb. And yeah. so now we think a skier's thumb. You know, skier's basically, thumb's a no one. Yeah. yeah, and people now are starting to say skier's thumb's when it's like an acute injury, uh, like a new injury, and gamekeeper's when it's old. Over time. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure I, I can track that through the literature as being the case sure i think they're interchangeable and 
I kind of don't. Same thing with like collies, fractures, wrists, and stuff like that. I think the names kind of obscure what's of going course, on. Rather but it's than nice just, to float it out there for yeah, the history exactly. of it. Skier's thumb. How'd you get it? Not skiing. <laughs> Playing <Not> basketball. Ski. <laughs> but what but, is it about skier's thumb? Like, uh, like, what is the mechanism of injury for these it's typically? Being your hand being your thumb, in fact, being around the ski pole and you having a crash or injury where basically you can think of the thumb around the pole getting pulled away from the rest of your hand. Mm -hmm. And that, if you think again of where I was talking about that right. ligament lives, it's stretch, 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 and then pops right. off off the bone. And actually, believe it or not, fixed one of these today before today. we did this po podcast. Right. And she was in a car accident gripping the steering wheel. So you imagine mm. the same thing where her, her thumb is around the wheel. And as she makes impact, that steering wheel goes towards her. Her hands yeah. go forward and it, it rips it that ligament right off. Wasn't this the Drew Brees injury too, where he went to make the pass and then his thumb got yes. uh, on the helmet, right? Yeah. I think he, I mean, he was out for a substantial amount of time, probably because he couldn't grip the football to throw at <laughs> that point. But now I'm right. thinking about it, but yeah, I mean, I think there was the same injury, right? The UCL. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So what does that exam look like when you when you're seeing that for the first time? It's different by for different people. It's different based on the timeline for mm -hmm. when it happens. Uh, the the textbook uh, is that when you stress that ligament, so when you try to pull the thumb away, it just kind of keeps going. There's no end point. If you pull your own thumb away, you'll see that at some point it just actually stops and right. you can't pull it any further mm -hmm. away. That's in an ideal world. And we, we examine the other thumb and compare it. And if it's yeah, there's degrees, it's not probably worth getting into the specifics of that but that in reality a lot of people don't come at the moment it happens right. and so by the time they come in it's so painful they won't manipulate it that's where mri can be helpful yeah. uh especially if you're concerned yeah. but it's difficult to get the the compliance out of the exam and you know there's all there's all kinds of things written where they can numb the finger up and then test it or they can do stress view x-rays a lot of that stuff's fallen by the wayside especially as mris become more available mm -hmm. and more affordable right. it just doesn't make sense to put people like you just sit there and torture people right. when there's a pretty good way to get an answer um, i'm kind of laughing because we always talk about how you know he just got the mri like that night or you know <laughs> yeah. on yeah. site you know what i mean I know. Yeah. half time whatever yeah yeah. yeah are there different or varying degrees of this injury so uh, is it is there a partial tear versus a full tear and does that impact the way it's handled or treated and or or does that impact recovery i know this is getting your your sports uh <laughs> mentality very <laughs> excited to hear about grade two grade <laughs> so, loaded questions there there is a grading system for it just as there is with mcls and stuff like that to me it's maybe I oversimplified it's in or out and so if it's a partial injury or something like that then it's it hurts yeah. should get better though yeah. you know like that that should reliably heal in almost say, 100 percent of people. let's say it's partial right yeah is he still playing with a partial tear or is he at greater risk of now turning it into a complete or a full tear and thus you need more time out I would argue that considering he's playing with a complete tear right. I, I have no doubt he would play with a partial tear right. and Again, I, I can't imagine, I've never seen or heard of someone completing a partial tear. That was my um, question, yeah, yeah. But usually it's so pain limited that people aren't going to push it to the extent. Mm. Again, I, now we're talking about very specifically about athletes. That's not who usually this happens to. It's mm. like the car accident lady right. I saw, right. you know, it's like, 
yeah, I guess if you get in another car accident with a partial tear, <laughs> right. maybe your thumb's not the worst problem you have going on for you. Or if we break a few chickens' necks. <laughs> That's right. So the ligament itself is composed of two different parts that we think about as like the proper and accessory ligament. And we test the, the, the thumb in different degrees of flexion, stuff like that. So certainly you can take out one or part of one or, or what have you. But that should heal with the mobilization. And probably, honestly, if, if that happened to an athlete, they would just have them play right through it and would take care of it on the back end. But the stuff we get worried about is when it's completely torn, right. for sure. And, and what are those risks? I mean, for him to be playing and, you know, obviously everybody knows that he's not playing right now because of something unrelated, which we're going to get into later. Ugh. But, I mean, what are the risks of him continuing to play in the playoffs with a completely torn UCL? For any ligament, yeah. everything has its own timeline for, for healing and stuff mm -hmm. like that. The problem with this ligament is as time goes on, the ligament will retract, the ligament will scar down to mm -hmm. the point where even during surgery, you won't be able to pull that back down to where it needs to go. Yeah. Like a rotator cuff. Yeah, but better. But better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... <laughs> We don't know when that the problem is we don't know when yeah. that there's not that like a study question. saying like at six weeks you're right. hosed. It, yeah, yeah. It's different for different people. The one I did today was six weeks and I got it. It right. came back. Yeah. But you can do one at five and it won't come. You know, yeah. everyone's a little bit different. And then that does change the surgery. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we we take other tendons basically and recreate a ligament with it. Like the so, ACL. Yeah, so it's a reconstruction like an ACL yeah. versus a repair, which, right. I mean, that doesn't exist for the ACL for different reasons, but, you know. It's always the, better if you can repair it. Not it's always better if you can repair it. It's less hardware, um, maybe, you know, better results. But, I mean, honestly, both do very, very well overall. I think that when you look at it, though, as long as he can play, yeah, uh, you know, he he's got all the resources in the world available to him. I think repair versus reconstruction, he's gonna do. The results are great for so, for this injury. Yeah, so that 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 brings up a huge question, right? Like, and, and we just went down this road, I think, inadvertently, and that's what I love about kind of doing the show, is that he's playing through it. Go ahead, go play. Don't you know, like, don't let this slow you down if you can tolerate it. It may affect the way you play, right? It may affect your passes, may affect your ability to control the ball, might maybe affect your shot a little bit. But hey, if you can play through it, you can do it. Do it. But you just said six weeks down the line, sometimes you can't repair it anymore. You have to reconstruct it. Are the results similar? Because if, if there's a drop off in results, is that a good idea? I don't know of any direct comparison studies, but I think the results are very, very good for both, in all mm -hmm. honesty. I mean, it's the increased surgical time and yeah. all that kind of other there's other factors to, that play into it but for a little more complicated surgical reasons the uh -huh. surgery itself other than taking the graft probably wouldn't be a ton different first of all i mean not everyone needs surgery to begin with right. but like obviously it's different for him as a high level athlete uh, technically, there's a chance that it, with a tear, there are other problems that this ligament poses. We'll but with a simple it. tear sitting there right next to the bone, mm -hmm. more often than not, that should heal. Okay. The problem is a couple things. Number one is we we just have this thing, entity, whatever you want to call it, called a stenter lesion. Yeah which means that the tendon is sitting outside of another crossing tissue plane. Which one is that? 
it's the adductor adductor aponeurosis. And so there is literally no possible way for it to get back to where it wants to go. You're trying to park the car in the garage, but somebody is cross parked in front of it. You You cannot get into the garage. Just yeah. a little itty bitty one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the other problem is that for again, I mean, there, there are studies all over the place, but for up to like twenty percent of ones where it's even sitting right next to there, such as the way with ligaments, right. some of them don't heal. Yeah. So for a lot of people, surgery is either you're a high level athlete like him, or you have a stenter lesion, or you have a normal, you know, you don't have a stenter lesion; it's a complete tear. But you may not want to wait through six weeks of casting or mobilization of one form or another, only to find out that the thing didn't heal. Now you're starting the clock all over again. Hey, you need surgery anyway. Right. And so uh, for a lot of people, they get aggressive about it. I mean, I I give everyone the option personally, but for him, obviously, it's a huge deal. You know, you don't want to be down and then go back and all that stuff. They didn't comment on whether it is stenter lesion or not, but but can you see that on the MRI? Can you say, yeah. like, oh look, the ligament's sitting on the other side? And yeah, okay, it's pretty sensitive for that. Right. You know, some of these, some people go to these like open MRI and all this kind of stuff, yeah, and, all, and you're kind of looking at, 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 at like a Van Gogh interpretation of an MRI right. instead of a, the analogy I give on that is um, it's like it's like standard deaf television. And then high def television. Once you got high def, you were like, "How did we ever watch that other stuff?" Yeah. And you go get the open MRI, and you're like, "You're back to standard def." Like, oh, it's just hard if to see that, the detail. you're right. down to like that yeah. that guy who does paintings of things, <laughs> doing a painting of a the sketch. television. Right, right, yeah, right. it's like it's it's crazy that that we even spend money. Sometimes on that. it's the best that we can do if someone can't get in a regular MRI. Yeah, of course. But I think that for him, surgery is definitely on the table. But I also think for him right now, it, it doesn't. I think he's going to do good no matter what. Right. I, if he's playing through it, I think if he, he, obviously we would all agree, if he's sitting there, he can't shoot, he can't ball handle, yeah. they can't tape or brace him adequately for him to function. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are we doing then? Yeah, mm-hmm. let's, get, let's get this over with. Mm-hmm. Is it surprising that he is able to play and play reasonably well? Or would you expect, oh, yeah, no, he can. It's uncomfortable, but you can do it. Yeah, I don't know if it's surprising. You know, the ligament's really important for what it does. But in terms of him being able to function in sports, it's certainly at the level that he's playing at. Every every little thing matters. But I think it's reasonable that he could be able to play through it. Uh, he may feel some instability, some difficulty, you know, with fine ball control, stuff like that. Ball comes up in a weird way. His thumb might lose it. either has to be taped real, real well, or right. yeah, it's going to just go right through. It looked like Coban. It looked, like I was taking a look, I was trying to watch his wrist and it looked like they had Coban on his wrist and thumb, which Maybe. is like a very stretchy tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, I would I have surprised. to imagine underneath there, there's some yeah. well, a brace or something more rigid. To go on that, like, what are you envisioning he's doing to be able to continue to play with this? So, yeah, either a brace or significant yeah. tape. And I, and I don't mean Coban, which, like, you know, yeah. for people who don't know what that it's like vet wrap mm-hmm. uh, is the most common, you know, right. thing that, that people know it as, like what they put on your dog's leg after yeah. they have the procedure. That's just, as, as Steve was saying, I mean, it's just like this 
stretchy, rubbery feeling thing. Yeah. That does. It's like a mix of flexibility and support. Right. You know yeah. I mean? It gives you yeah. a little bit of I would, support. Yeah. I mean, I use it for like wound care. I right. like I, to right. me, right. the support is almost numb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think at that point you might as well put a bandaid on it and be like, <laughs> good luck. So what are the things like happening behind the scenes? Like how much the strengthening, we, we always have like this physical therapy sure. component. How much does strengthening help in an issue where the ligament's not yeah, connected none. anyway, right? I mean, none here. This isn't like, you know, like an ACL or something right. where you uh, like your quads Strengthen are quad, stronger yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I, I, but in the same way, I, I don't know what you would tell people, but I, I don't think you could have the strongest quads and hamstrings, all this kind of stuff in the world. If you do a sharp cut with no ACL, right. you're just, yeah. you're not going to make, make up it. The you know, right. like it, it, it's same thing here, yeah. especially if you look at your hand, right. there's no, the muscles are, tiny tiny yeah. tiny muscles and there's no amount of that that's going to stable nothing crosses the joint in yeah. that way that's a secondary stabilizer you know i see there's no other rope to hold that in place. Right. right so in the elbow you can blow out the ligament over the outside of your elbow and there's enough other stuff bone restraint so it's locked in a little bit better yeah. muscles are crossing the joint in this in a similar fashion right. all this other kind of stuff where you're like you could maybe get a buy with this without having, you know, instability and yeah. stuff like that. Maybe not, but maybe this is on its own. You're you can do all the strengthening you want and, and, so and rehab. It's not getting a there. lot of this is probably just pain management, totally, Redu yeah. reducing swelling and, yeah. you know, and yeah. for sure. Sounds right. My alley. Here's a bag of ice and uh, we'll tape it tomorrow at game time. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. Can't, so, can't use cupping on it. No, you can't cup it. No. <laughs> So let's say let's say Sixers kind of make their way through the playoffs. They win their title. Uh, season's over. The process is vindicated. The process you know? is vindicated. <laughs> yeah. All right. And maybe it's a little bit of wishful thinking, but but let's just say, what happens at that point? Based on whatever availability and all that kind of stuff is, I'd Couple say hours later. yeah, I'd say <laughs> I'd say very sooner than later. Again, it's not going to be in all seriousness a matter of hours, but it's going to be a matter of like today's better than next week kind of yeah. thing right because again we don't know when that cutoff's gonna be and so for athletes uh now they're without getting into like proprietor proprietary things you know I've, yeah. no, I have no conflict of interest but uh usually anchors with what we describe as an internal brace meaning a separate suture tape crossing over top of the joint to sort of almost stabilize the joint as though the ligament is doing that job yeah. while the ligament heals. So yeah. it serves as the ligament, but it's actually just suture. And ultimately though, your body takes over and you have a ligament and all this kind Once of the stuff. the ligament heals, but that just sort of right. shares the stress until that point. But it's been a game changer for athletes. It's, it's kind of partially in the technique of reconstruction anyway. And mm -hmm. we're kind of adding suture to it uh, a little bit. I don't know how much of the woods we want to get into on that kind of stuff. No, but, we've gone down uh, this road before in, the, in a similar fashion. We've talked about arthrex and, and, and uh, uh, and um, yeah. internal brace and, and other injuries and similar stuff. Yeah. And they're the, um, they're the ones who have this, I guess, popularized it, suture tape and whatnot. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's okay. We have no obligation to anybody. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's it's done a lot of, of good for, for the high-level athlete. Right. I don't use it in any everyday person just trying to get back to whatever they're doing. I don't think the extra, it, there are extra costs to it. There's sure. extra bone tunnels, meaning 
anytime you drill a hole, you can cause like a fracture, you can have more pain and all that kind of stuff. Risk of over tightening it maybe. Totally. So, so for someone like him though, it's cut from me, like you're getting back to sports at eight weeks. Right. Maybe, Uh, you know, that's cooking pretty good. Maybe six weeks, best case scenario. Right. The, uh, the guys that do a lot of this for these high level athletes, uh, out in LA and in in St. Louis are getting people back in like four weeks to full unrestricted play. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. Yeah. 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 It should be, you know, the AC, I always tell patients always tell me, what do you mean? I'll be out for six weeks. I'll be out for eight weeks. I'm like, an ACL, you're out for nine months. It's also a ligament. Yeah. How disrespectful can people be to hands? <laughs> it's like, I, this is a miracle. Like right. you should, this you are miracle. almost walking on water. The fact that you can have return to play in six to eight weeks. Right. It's, I didn't see that answer coming to, uh, either though, to be honest. I thought it would be, I thought it'd be a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. Four weeks is what they're, you know, again, that's not everybody. Everyone's right. got th- their own thing and their own healing in different times. But How do you, like, I feel like you're accelerating biologics. And we talked about this in, in, in other injuries, actually. We so talked about this with the Russell Wilson situation. With the mouth. Like, yeah, yeah like, that, that I truly don't understand because right. there's no substitute. How? Here you're saying I trust the suture tape, so the extra suture and my right. anchors, yeah. enough to bear the load for high-level activity while this continues to heal. Right. And the rate limiting step is not the surgery, the ligament. We're not even talking about the ligament. We're just right. talking about swelling, motion, all that kind of stuff being right. back to adequate enough to, to play. Yeah, we're not even like, that's the whole thing. So for, that's not a factor in ligament healing. We float the disclaimer all the time, right? We don't have access to these individuals medical trust. We don't know exactly what happened. We typically take the general knowledge of their injury and just use it as a springboard to talk about those particular injuries. Would it be any different if this wasn't truly just a ligament tear, but it actually involves a little piece of bone? Would that change anything? No. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that detail. (laughs) Yeah, you know, this, it, it matters a little bit to the person treating them based on the size of it and you have to decide whether you're going to fix that piece or whether you're going to take it out uh, or you know what, what the case may be usually it's not sizable enough to really change anything at all uh, one time in the past six months I've basically put an anchor inside the footprint of right. the fracture and then brought the whole thing down and added like a pin on top of that Right. But so I actually just had a a friend of mine and a patient who had exactly that we yeah. lost a little piece of bone and, and um, the good Dr. Will Smith I think that was his plan he was yeah. he was going to put the anchor right into right the, in the in the fracture basically the fracture, yeah. yeah it's pretty crazy but they I mean they're buried you know so they're below the bone surface just right. the, the sutures coming out of it there's a lot of fiddle factor to that and and that can be tougher than it sounds like on paper to make work um, and then you got to stare at it on all the subsequent x-rays and stuff like that. But uh, there are other things for even bigger fractures, hook plates and all this kind of stuff. But by and large, uh, we're talking about avulsion fractures, meaning right. like tiny little pieces tiny of bone. Yeah. We generally like when it's bone off bone because we think bone on bone healing is better than ligament right. on bone healing, especially for him. Yeah. You know, they're going to, they're going to do the internal brace. Uh, you know, his return is not going to be based on healing. It's going to be based on swelling motion pain function all that kind of stuff and it seems like on average for a lot of these like real high level people coming out of out of these major institutions four weeks is 
about average. What about long-term yeah. prospects? Now that I know he'll be back for the next season. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure be back next yeah. season. By October. Complications really low, yeah. you know, and, and unrelated almost right. to repair, you know, that kind of stuff. We don't think about long-term instability or stuff like that. There's complications in not doing stuff. You know, you can have arth- arthritis that progresses yeah. early if the joint is not, fun- you know, gliding like it normally does because that ligament's out. Yeah. Maybe if you over, you kind of alluded to this over tightening. That's really uncommon, but certainly can be a consideration for some joint wear and stuff like that. But by and large, you know, the there's like tiny little sensory nerves near there that can get like neuromas, stuff like that. But that wouldn't, that's not, we're not talking about like returning to play. That's more kind of other, other, other uh, complications, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, for sure would expect them to be a hundred percent by next season. When I talk to patients and I see patients, especially patients who have hip arthritis and it goes down this road of talking about uh, hip replacement surgery, I'll often tell them it's one of the best surgeries in orthopedics. And I say one of the reasons why, and what I mean by that is, you know, some of the surgeries that we do, they work pretty well. Or some of the surgeries that we do, our goal is to make you like almost perfect or better than you are now. And it does it predictably, but for the most part, hip replacement, not every single time, but people get to a point where they say, I don't even know I had surgery. I have zero pain. I'm able to do everything I was able to do before. Is that what we're hoping for out of this particular surgery? That like, like yeah. he'll be the same person he was if he had never had this injury? Yeah, no. uh, that would be my expectation. I, I don't foresee any long-term stuff, especially with the team he has, you know, right. getting adequate rehab and all that kind of stuff. I think he's going to function to the point where he won't think about it within a couple of months of having surgery. It's a good operation for a right. very, very, unfortunately, common, uh, relatively common. Should I sp- change my little speech right there and just turn it? Yeah, into- turn it into- <laughs> you can just put my name in there. Actually, <laughs> like you know, any surgery by him. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, I, I would expect he does well. Of course, nothing's one hundred percent. Just like, just like you tell tell people in your thing. I, you yeah. know, there's no guarantees for anything when you yeah. when you're talking and about surgery. You could do everything right and still stuff goes wrong unfortunately of course yeah Yeah. i mean uh even with the best staff even with the best stuff in fact you know look at tiger woods he's infection and revisions and all stuff with his spine surgery it's like you know not for lack of resources for sure but still i I don't that would be uh, by far the exception really really would be unexpected uh i think that he would be back at it pretty quickly back to effectively normal normal function normal activity this is where it gets frustrating because you know after hearing dr jennings talk and you know he thinks he and would be able to play well through the remainder of the playoffs and you know we would take care of this in the off season but he catches that elbow to the face and yeah. you know now he fractures his orbital bone and that's what's Quest- holding him out and questionably accidental questionably and hmm. and possibly a part of the game he shouldn't have been in you know, I another know a lot, another you know, valid up, point, up right? Up 20 points with four minutes to go. You know, why was he even out there? I will tell you that I was at one of the playoff games last year at home in Wells Fargo mm-hmm. in which they had – it was the second one they had lost to Atlanta mm-hmm. where they blew a monstrous lead. Yeah. I kind of understand where he was coming from. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's where we're going to – Cut this off with you, Dr. Jennings. So, you know, we're going to see if we can uh, discuss more about the orbital bone fracture, but we can't thank you enough for coming back down again. Third time, right? 
I don't even remember. Yeah. Yeah, at least three. At least three. At least three. Yeah. I, I, I did Mallet Finger, know, right? Mallet shows. Finger. And another one. I forget the other one. Just I, I have to just look through the top rated ones. And if That's we what just start is. going down the list, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we'll be it's right we'll, there at we'll the top. Right. The, the, yeah. those, whatever those three or four, <laughs> yeah. that'll be it. Well, well thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for helping us out. back on. Dr. Frey and I are going to uh, get a refill on our uh, beers here, and then we're going to come back uh, in a little bit, joined by another guest to talk about the orbital bone fracture. So stick around. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Sports Medicine on Tap. Still down here at Neck of the Woods. Dr. Frey and I got a refill, and we got a lot more to talk about when it comes to Joel Embiid. Part two. Yeah. We had to make some calls on this one, didn't we? Because we, did. we didn't have anybody here at Recon that could speak on this. Right. So uh, first, I want to give some credit to one of my friends, Dr. Dan Kubikian, who is a periodontist regionally, and he's worked with us a little bit with some of the some of the football teams, some of the Sewell players, um, and a, a super guy and a great guy. And you know, th this next Joel Embiid injury that we're going to talk about is a little bit of an unusual injury, you know. And you know, we're an orthopedic group; mm -hmm. we handle the vast majority of fractures and whatnot. But orthopedics doesn't really necessarily go into the face <laughs> right. or the head or whatnot. So then you have to find a different kind of surgeon for that. So so I gave I gave Dan a call and asked him, hey, listen, um, is there anybody that uh, that you could think of that would work well for this particular situation? Would really know it well. And he and he had one answer. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'd like to introduce to the show Dr. Derek Steinbacher, a plastic surgeon, or actually uh, a cranial maxillofacial surgeon who works out of New Haven, Connecticut. Thanks for coming on with us today. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. So can you get first, before we get too far into it, a uh, couple quick questions for you. First, what you're drinking? <laughs> yeah, so I like IPAs and up here in Connecticut, there's one called Sea Hag, which is a New England uh, brewing company IPA that's a uh, Double hopped, uh, very, very good, very tasty. You should try it if you can. Sure. So I, I was actually just out, and I hate to say this, I, you know, I was out there for for pretty unfortunate reason. A, a friend of mine had passed away, but I was just out in uh, California, near uh, Santa Rosa, near the Russian River Valley. And while I was out there, there's no way for me to not stop at Russian River Brewery. And um, you know, unfortunately, they did not have Pliny the Younger on tap, but I did get a little bit of the Pliny the Elder, which was absolutely delicious. So, well, well Doc, we can't thank you enough for joining us. Like I said, we needed a lot of help with this yeah. one. And, you know, this one, it, it hits close to home for us because Joel Embiid's a big part of the Sixers, you know, ability for success moving forward. Can, can you, before we get into the weeds there on the, on the injury, can you, can you explain to us what goes into... Uh, becoming a cranial maxillofacial surgeon. Yeah, yeah, great, great question. And it, you know, so I'm a, a plastic surgeon, like you alluded at the beginning. Right. And in plastic surgery, you can do different fellowships, and one of them is craniofacial. So I'm plastic surgeon. I did a craniofacial fellowship, um, and then before that, actually, I trained in oral and maxillofacial surgery. Um, so oh, the training all together kind of entails, you know, kind of craniomaxillofacial surgery, which is a term used in Europe a lot. Um, in this country too, there's something called facial plastic surgery, which kind of falls into what I do too, that, uh, you know, a lot of ENTs that do a fellowship in facial kind of reconstructive stuff, they, they right. kind of call themselves that. So I kind of span all those three areas, uh, you know, oral maxillofacial, 
uh, facial plastic and plastic and craniofacial surgery. So craniomaxillofacial kind of encompasses it all, but it does deal with facial trauma, deals with kind of facial aesthetics, reconstruction, rhinoplasty, jaw surgery, that kind of thing. So right within the wheelhouse of the stuff you want to talk about today. I think. That sounds like an awful yeah. lot of school. <laughs> like I felt like I was in training forever, man. How long? I mean, I have to imagine you, you've been at it for a while. Yeah, it's it's a bit a bit of time, you know. It's uh, goes by in a flash, though. It's uh, it's crazy how quick the time goes. But no no training is bad training. Right, for sure, for sure. And where is your practice out now, Doctor Stockmacher? So it's up in. Uh, I practice out of Yale, Yale New Haven Hospital, uh, here in Connecticut. And after you saw the clip of Joel and Bead, I mean, what were your first thoughts? You mentioned you mentioned before we got started that you, you did see the video. Yeah, yeah. So I saw the clip and, you know, I had some of my training I did down there in Philly, actually. So oh. I've been to a few Sixers games and Phillies games, etc. But yeah, the clip was was jarring, especially when the news news sources play it kind of forward and backward in <laughs> slow motion and everything. Sure. You can really see kind of the elbow right to the it was difficult to see at the beginning. Was it right into the orbit or the lateral orbit or was it into the cheekbone or malar or zygoma it's called. Um, but they're really connected and contiguous and, you know, that type of force, you know, you were kind of uh, expecting, you know, something significant to happen. You think it's uh, now, now this is not going to your professional opinion, but you, th you think it's interesting that it seemed to follow right after uh, Joel Embiid showboating a little bit with uh, with a huge lead. <laughs> yeah it seems uh, i saw some commentators say how that's kind of unfortunate why was he in at the end of the yeah, game right anyway and you know um as a might have been yeah as a diehard sixer fan that was my i just why was he in there to begin with um but it's all hindsight at this point yeah right? i mean yeah. it is what it is but you mentioned a few other a few of the other bones there in that region um are, are you able to kind of give us a quick like anatomical review of that of that area the best you can i get yeah. that this is pretty yeah, tough yeah, stuff to describe yeah yeah so when we talk about the orbit you know there's actually a lot of bones that go into it and there's a rim around that uh it's kind of like the top of a bucket where there's sort of a very well-defined rim and then you go into sort of a into a cavity sort of a tunnel almost and the bone on the inside is much much thinner uh, but the rim bone, it's it's comprised of the cheekbone, like we talked about, the zygoma, uh -huh. up a little bit higher towards the forehead and where the brow is. That's the frontal bone. Then coming around the clockwise direction, you start coming down around the nose. Uh, and in that area, there's something called the lacrimal bone. Then down at the inferior portion or kind of six o'clock portion, then you're talking about the maxilla yeah. uh, or the upper jaw has a component of the orbital rim there. Once you get inside, there's a bunch of smaller bones, the ethmoid, the sphenoid, you know, the palatine bone. And these are kind of more eggshell. Yeah. And, you know, so the way or the place that he was hit was in the, the lateral portion of the orbit. So that kind of the zygoma uh, in the frontal region, the zygomatico frontal region, it, it's called of the orbit. And that's where the blow kind of occurred. So my, my, my father-in-law is a, a surgical oncologist. He's an amazing guy. He's a fantastic surgeon, brilliant guy. He likes to make fun of me being in orthopedics by saying, hey, you're studying your coloring books kind of a thing. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to bring it back down to that level just for a moment here. Um, so so 
what we're talking about is all of the bones that are surrounding your eyeball. And, 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 and you know, to, to bring it down to that basic level, it seems silly, but just in case, just in case there's a little bit of confusion out there, um, that, that is what we are talking about, right? Like you just described basically all of the bones that surround the socket that your eye sits in, right? Exactly, exactly. All right, all right. Doctor, we had uh, one of our hand specialists on with us earlier, and we talked about, um, and many of our other episodes with Dr. Frey and I, we talk about kind of different levels of an injury. You know, if we take something as simple as like a hamstring strain, you know, be it a first degree strain and, and so forth. Is there any type of, you know, kind of comparison here or was this just going to be it was fractured or not? Yeah, yeah. So the first thing, you, you know, is is this affecting the orbital rim uh, or is it affecting kind of the bones on the inside? And when it's on the inside, it's more of what's called a blowout fracture. Oh, jeez. That doesn't sound sound good. good. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like where those, those eggshell type bones fracture and then it'll typically go down into the sinuses uh, all around the orbit too. There's a bunch of sinuses, your kind of paranasal sinuses. And if a fracture happens like that, then the eyeball sinks in. um, And then we start getting concerned about some of the muscles that move the eye um, getting trapped or entrapped. And then that can cause sort of either issue to the muscle or some, you know, damage to the muscle itself if it's left in that way. And it can also restrict the movement of the globe. Uh, Interestingly, I saw that he was interviewed at the end of that, that game and you could see his globe moving and his eye looking all over the place. So that, that was a good sign. You know, obviously none of us were able to physically examine him, but just by looking at that on the, on the interview, you could see that he, he didn't have any restricted gaze. His globe was moving, his eyeball was moving. So he right. probably didn't have that entrapment, uh, you know, injury. Yeah. I, I guess another silly question for you would be, there, there's no other way this happens other than a direct blow like this, right? I mean, or how else do you see these patients when, you know, you see them in your office up there? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the, the second part of this is if it's not a blowout fracture, was it just affecting that rim or the zygoma? And if, if that's the case and it didn't involve the thin bone or the, the blowout around there, yeah. then that's a that can sometimes be a better scenario, uh, especially if it's not that displaced. I mean, any fracture, obviously, there's going to be some swelling and bleeding and bruising around there. But if it's not involving all the contents around the globe or changing the position of the globe or changing the vision or the muscles around it. If it's just the rim or the cheekbone, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, in some ways is a better case scenario and won't maybe won't restrict his, yeah. And won't restrict his ability to, to play quite as much. And, and this is probably an appropriate time for me to, to jut in again. And, you know, we actually said it earlier in the show and I, we say it frequently, we don't actually have access to these, the medical records of, of these athletes. And if we did, and actually that, that would be pretty inappropriate, right? We're sort of violating right. their privacy. <laughs> We're just taking the injuries, what we know about it from public knowledge and doing our best to sort of expound upon that. Um, that leads me to my next question, right? I think the estimation or the prediction here is that, that Embiid's going to miss two games from this particular injury. Does that give us any indication if this was one version of the injury versus the other version of the injury? Yeah, yeah. It does seem that it's probably the the cheekbone or the lateral rim uh, portion of the orbit. 
And, you know, with any fractures, certainly in, in orthopedics, you know, we think about displaced or non-displaced right. or minim, minimally displaced. Right. And uh, if it was significantly displaced and the, the bones on the inside of the orbit were involved, then that would require surgery. And then after a surgery with something like that, you, you know, you would expect, um, just like with any other bone, there's usually four or six weeks of, of healing and at least that amount of time probably being out from, from playing. So the fact that it seems like there's a quicker turnaround to this right. um, pro- probably means it didn't require surgery. It probably you know, wasn't that displaced or was minimally displaced and didn't really result in any difficulty moving his eyeball, having no visual trouble and those kinds of things, you know, and it's just kind of waiting for some of the swelling and, uh, and bruising to kind of go away and let the fracture do that uh, initial phase of healing, you know, so that he could get back out there. So if I understood you right there, you just said uh, Pasquale Siakam is soft. And couldn't hit him hard enough to actually right. split. No, no, I'm joking. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> did not did not displace it. It doesn't seem. Right, 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 right. You, you were kind of going down this road, so I'm, I'm going to ask you to kind of uh, continue on that path. But, you know, let's say Dr. Frey and I present Joel and B to you. At, you know, we're, we're with the Sixers, and we need that outside, you know, kind of clearance for him to play in game three. Right. If you were the treating physician here, which we all know, we give disclosures that you are we're not, not and yeah. we are not involved, but what are you, Dr. Steinbacker, needing to see, needing to check before you give clearance for him to play this Friday night? Yeah, so obviously initially the CT scan where we're looking at the, the bone, we're looking at the anatomy, how much it's displaced or not, you know, looking at the muscles around the eye, the optic nerve, the globe. Uh, we'd want to make sure he gets a comprehensive ophthalmologic examination that his vision's okay you know and even before that just starting with looking with a a light you know making sure the pupil's responsive and that this yeah the the pupil's reactive um you know if there's any injury or blood clot around the the optic nerve or the muscles typically you know the the pupil may be dilated or may not respond Um, so making sure his vision's okay and that there's not really much blood or injury on the inside of the orbit and that the fracture itself is minimally or or very you know not much displacement uh, to it Um, and if those things were the case then then yeah he's uh um, certainly and you're probably going to get to this you know talk about some face guards and yeah. face masks and those kinds of which things we, which we're we know that. as sixers fans he hated right um because yeah. you know he fractured the the same bone on the opposite side right, right. so it was the left side i believe on this thank case. you and, mark kelf vote <laughs> yeah 2019 <laughs> i believe this was and, right uh, i vividly remember him at the free throw line chucking his mask off across the uh off of across the court right because he just disliked it so much but, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know if, if you wouldn't mind i mean i, I mean how much assurance does that mask give you, Doc? Yeah, I mean, I think the the way they work is it's supposed to rest on kind of the non-fractured bones as mm-hmm. a point of support. And so if there's any trauma uh, in the same general vicinity, then that load will be absorbed by, you know, the, the places that the, the mask is resting. Um, yeah. You know, it's not just kind of covering over and protecting the bone, although mm-hmm. it does do that a little bit, but it's meant to sort of disperse those forces a little bit. Um, you know, it's a little bit different from the old Bill Lambeer type of, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. uh, clear, clear yeah. mask too, but you know, that, that could be effective too. I can't, I so, can't, yeah. 
I can't imagine the, the three of us in that scenario, right? We're all on the sidelines of a Sixers game and uh-huh. we all, you know, we're saying that he has to wear the mask and he chucks it over to us. And, right. you know, the, the centerpiece of the franchise is yeah. I'm not going to wear it. And we're like, well, what we, now? We, we really want you to wear it. So uh, <laughs> please, are, are, please are, are we wear. pulling him or are we just like, well, he doesn't want to wear it. So he's not wearing it. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, exactly. I'd have to go to the memory. I'd have to like actually look it up. I don't. I really just don't remember off the top of my head. But when he had, when he previously had this injury on the other side, when you know, when when, when he ran into Marco Fultz or vice versa, and um, he missed a little bit of time, I don't remember him coming back so quickly. Now, granted, it's the playoffs. It's a little bit of a dis- of a of a different situation, you know. Um, is this unusually fast or is, is if if in this scenario, if it happens to be a non-displaced fracture and it's not affecting the actual orbit itself, is this is a very standard, typical, reasonable return, basically like, you know, kind of about a week. Yeah, I think it's still a little bit on the accelerated side. You right. know, when we see this happening for kids in Little League, you know, we definitely give them a a Wait few more. more weeks weeks than that even if it's not that displaced uh, i mean right. what can happen is basically with your blood pressure going up and exerting it just can bring more swelling and you know while the while things are healing and then the worst case too is somebody hits them there again and it right. really displaces and does more significant damage but i think yeah like you say with the playoffs and with a face mask and if it's not that displaced and they can do some things now to get that swelling you know out of there and kind of accelerate the healing as much as they can you know um i think they're risk benefit type of uh weighing at that point now this is kind of a horrible question but just like you were saying like what if he does even while wearing the mask what if he does take another elbow to the face or elbow to the eye is is there a chance of like orbital blowout? Is there a chance of losing the eyeball, the globe, or something? You know, horrible, right? Like, but is is that potentially a possibility? Yeah, I think the mask can definitely protect the globe itself because then you know there's more structure and more uh, material that's uh, external to the eye and right. actually direct blow under the eye would be more difficult and then uh, you know certainly there's still a a risk to a a blowout fracture if it if there's a direct you know impact right on one of the rims but you know at least the part that's fractured if they the way the mask is designed should you know uh, uh, relieve some of the pressure that or the impact that that would take right in that that uh exact location doc i know that that you know they're pain is usually a subjective scale and you know there's really no way everybody's different but uh, everything you, you've talked about just usually to me just sounds horrific at times i mean right. what type of pain is joel in on a day-to-day basis right now and, and how could one even think about playing in a competitive nba playoff game? nba playoff game right. And, right. And, and be successful at it you know yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's true. It's pretty subjective and it's somewhat difficult to know. But um, if it's not that displaced of a cheekbone fracture, I mean, really after five, seven days, um, you know, that initial phase of healing has begun and, and is, uh, you know, the, the pain has probably started to subside just like after any surgery. Usually the third, fourth day is kind of the worst and then it starts it getting better, better after that, right. after the inflammatory you know, uh, phase goes down. So he's probably to that point. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what kind of 
anti-inflammatories they'd want to give them before, you know, the game, but I'm sure it's similar to shoulder and elbow and knee and everything else, you know, some NSAIDs and, and that type of thing will definitely uh, improve, um, you know, that pain and the inflammation in the area. How often do these go on to require a surgery? And I have to, and, and, and you know, I have to imagine given the fact that he is going anticipating, we're anticipating him coming back in a few days. That this was not one of the surgical variety, but how often do these go down the road of surgery? Yeah, usually if that uh, blowout has occurred, so if those spinal bones with inside the, you know, the tunnel or the orbital cavity fracture, and then the eyeball starts falling into the sinus, that's the sort of. Uh, uh, instances that we definitely have to do it. You know, in some cases there's actual emergent surgery that's required. And that's if that, uh, entrapment occurs where a muscle gets impinged between pieces of bone and you can't move the eye at all, which we know isn't the case. I'm going back to the memory banks, but yeah, yeah. that's what, that's one of the nerves that moves in, but it's actually the muscle that gets kind of caught in there. Um, but yeah, like you say too, there's also, things that can happen behind where the eyeball is and behind the eyeballs where the optic nerve comes in, where a couple other nerves comes in and muscles. And if it's a really significant fracture, there can be bleeding back there and that blood clot can push right on the nerve and injure the nerve and cause almost a compartment syndrome. Um, There can be a shard of bone that goes into the optic nerve and causes issues. So, you know, those are cases where it's kind of an emergency and, you know, he would have, he wouldn't have been there chatting at the end of the game or being interviewed at the end of the game. That would be a right to be a OR type of thing. And he'd be out for six weeks at at least for that. You know, if in, in those cases we're concerned are the, is the vision okay? Is the vision going to come back? You know, that kind of thing. How often I, I saw one report where, you know, he needs to clear concussion protocol. I was, I was, that's where I was, I was going ready. next. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I don't know, like, is there any way, shape or form, Dr. Steinbacher, that this could have, like, is this always a hundred percent going to include some kind of concussion component? Right. That's exactly and where as, I was as, going. You, as you're probably very well aware, concussion is usually the, the hot topic when it comes to sports. Yeah. And Not yeah. in this one. I mean, yeah, but I mean, is there any way that these ever happen without there being a component to the concussions? Yeah, I think because it's so close, you know, right behind um, where he was uh, hit is basically the temporal lobe and the, and the brain is right there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the frontal bone is a component of it and the, the frontal lobe. So, yeah, I think just given the vicinity, um, you know, that that kind of is, is part of it, especially, you know, anything around the eye. It's yeah. just so interconnected with the brain that right. it, it just makes makes sense. My, my guess is there's probably a, a, a multi uh, faceted approach to his clearance. It has I mean, to be. It's, it's, it's a you, Dr. Steinbacher. It's, it's a concussion specialist and it's probably multiple people weighing in on his return. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. definitely. Yeah. All, all definitely. of a sudden, Dr. Jennings seems pretty insignificant in this whole ordeal. Yeah. That little, he? that little UCL <laughs> ligament that he talks about that yeah. you know, it, it doesn't matter if we fix it or not. No. <laughs> um, the, the other thing to point out real quick yeah. is, you know, when you have one of those floor fractures and the eyeball sinks down a little bit, a yeah. lot of patients present with diplopia, which is right. double vision. Right. So if he had double vision and is seeing two of everything, I mean, that could really yeah. impact his ability to, to play basketball and, you know, run around and, make shots and yeah. see where the ball is. So yeah, they're, you know. theoretically career ender possibly, right? 
yeah, if that doesn't, if that doesn't improve on its own or with, you know, intervention, then yeah, definitely. So I would imagine if you're going down a surgical route, that's one of the, one of the emphasis or one of the priorities in the surgery is to, to, to get that, that, that floor, that plate that, that supports the, the eyeball back together and back up. And as you, you put it back together so that hopefully you can, you can put an end to that. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Dr. Steinbacher, given everything you talked about here where, you know, you were saying Joel was probably feeling better within five to seven days under, you know, certain circumstances, right? So this injury happened last week and he didn't travel with the team to Miami and game three is scheduled for Friday in Philadelphia. And that's when they're speculated return, Dr. Frey, if I'm, if I'm mistaken. That's right. Um, that's right. what they're speculating. Yeah. But uh, Dr. Steinbacher, if you had to estimate, I mean, is, is it is it possible that those reports are accurate or could we be seeing a bit of gamesmanship where we don't want to you know show our hand that we may not see him be back for a little while because i gotta tell you after watching game one last night you know we're, we're not going to survive didn't seem so bad for the first half right but we're not going to survive <laughs> the series without joel Embiid, and i think everybody knows that but zero percent as, as a true sixers fan and i'm genuinely asking like is it actually possible we see him back friday night yeah, I mean, I, I think um, if that does happen, then that really points to us to the direction that there is nothing involved around the eyeball itself, nothing within the orbital cavity itself. It was probably just the rim and or the cheekbone uh, that didn't require surgery. And, right. and then he should be good to go. So that, yeah. you know, that should be a good sign. Are there any reports that surgery was undertaken? No, uh, I haven't seen yeah, anything yeah. yet. No, everything's yeah. But like, you know, when it comes to game planning and stuff it's better to keep the heat thinking that he is going to be back for game game yeah. three yeah. versus yeah. Uh, he had yeah. surgery and he's done for a while yeah, and, I, yeah. and yeah. I, I almost yeah. you know i wondered in, in my own mind and, and jason alluded to it is that um you know are we waiting until friday because of the concussion protocol mm -hmm. but but let's let's assume that he didn't have a concussion is there any way that he's back before friday or is this with you know pretty much without question because of this particular orbit injury that he's, he's at it at least until Friday. Yeah, I think probably a week or, or 10 days is the quickest outside of a, of a concussion. And, right. you know, if there is a concussion, obviously that could delay things a little bit more. Sure. But, um, yeah, if it's the type of injury that we think it is, I, I think that's totally within the realm of what we would expect. And I guess I could, you know, give you a non-medical answer to that question is that he's not with a team in Miami. So... They're playing Wednesday night, tomorrow night, yeah. and then there's nothing in between Friday. But yeah, I, I guess in your scenario, is it Friday if, or Saturday? I'm pretty sure it's Friday because okay. I remember looking. But um, so my guess is he's not playing tomorrow because he's not with the team. Now that doesn't mean to say they couldn't get Embiid to Miami if they decided right. they wanted to, but that's just comical to think that. But I think at this point we're hoping for Game Three at the earliest. Yeah. And my my hope all along is that Doc Rivers isn't kind of leading us down a path to that it's going to be, well, now maybe game four, now game five, because we need them back. We need them back. <laughs> so, so now, um, Derek, I, I've, I've got another question for you. And it's a, it's a little bit unfair. It's a little bit of a comical question. You know, you, you've seen this injury before. You've seen other, you've seen it happen to other people and other, other athletes. Would you expect, you know, about a week after the injury that he's able to play like Joel Embiid or would you expect, hey, he's going to be a warrior and he's going to get out there? But he, there's a pretty high chance of 
residual swelling around the eye, uh, uh, some baseline blurred vision, things that could impede his overall performance at this particular point. Yeah, I mean, you would hope uh, if they were clearing them, there wouldn't be any of these visual changes, blurred vision, double vision, and, you know, they would just be a little bit of this periorbital swelling or edema, um, right. and that, that he'd be well past the the peak of that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a concern, and, you know, hopefully with their, their great medical personnel, you know, they would make sure that there's no visual issues or injury that would, you know, could potentially jeopardize him as well as jeopardize his ability to play. Right. Right. Now, one more question for you here, at least for me. He has the injury on the other side when it happened with Markov Fultz. Now he has it on this side. Is that pretend any worse outcomes? The fact that he's had it on both sides of his face at this point and this is a guy who really has to rely on visual acuity yeah i don't think necessarily i mean a lot of these mma fighters and you know soccer players and boxers and and other people definitely have sustained this this type of thing and multiple facial bones uh, unfortunately um you know it's not ideal and you know but if it's not involving the actual globe and it's just kind of the rim or the housing around the globe then you know, that, that could be okay. But yeah, it's always, I guess it's a risk an occupational risk that, uh, that he's got to take. Sure. All right. Doc, I think that's all I got for you tonight too. I, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Heck yeah, man. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Now I'm going to get plugged into this series, I guess, since, uh, Danica <laughs> doesn't really have a team. <laughs> <laughs> who's your, who's your rooting interest usually in? Is it the Knicks up that way or is it the Celtics even further up? Yeah, you know, I did some training in in uh, Boston too, so I, yeah. I followed the Celtics a bit yeah. then. Um, and I, I'm watching that Lakers, you know, show on HBO, which is pretty good. I know yeah. it's a little controversial, but uh, mm. I don't know if you guys have seen that. But that's Winning Time, I think it's called. That's yeah. pretty interesting too. Don't 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 be a asshole, please, please. Where did you grow up? I grew up in D.C., so yeah, we had the the Wizards. Uh, yeah, that's the that's, yeah, the that's the politically correct name. It was not the Wizards when you were. It, a kid. it was not when I grew up. You're right. You're right. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I'd gone to school down there in D.C. and I, in uh, Georgetown. I'd seen a bunch of a bunch of their games, and uh, you know they're a good team. Hopefully, they'll put it together at yeah. some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Thank you very much for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate the insight, the expertise. Um, um, really great stuff, man. Really, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, awesome. Yo, thanks so much for having me. And uh, you know, I'm gonna tune in and check out some of your other content coming forward. You know. Yep. Appreciate it. Huge help tonight, Doc. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. You too. Before we go ahead and close out our tab for tonight, we want to take our moment to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our eight locations and focused on you approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, located right here at 614 Lambs Road, Pittman, New Jersey, for hosting us each and every week. We thank you guys. And as always, our good friends at Timber Reel Productions. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.